Well, we have been looking at um, studying the idea of building a friendship with God. And uh, let's see here. Uh, we talked last week, uh, the idea of walking with God and just, uh, just building that walking with God. Fellowship's desired by God. We know that. He desires that. He wants us to fellowship with Him. We spend some time, <coughs> excuse me, we spent some time uh, delving into that last week. And uh, that idea is that that fellowship is developed by us as Christians. We should uh, work towards developing that. And that's something that is it's on our behalf that we needed to commit that time and energy and effort. And that really uh, it's directed through consistency. And I uh, didn't get to spend any time here last week. We just really quickly, uh, the last point, just kind of went through it, but uh, really when we talk about developing a walk with God or ultimately the friendship with God, that comes through consistency. That comes through taking time. And uh, we don't realize um, the difference that it's making uh, when we daily walk with God because the growth and the change is so gradual that we don't notice it. It's just like when a young person uh, is in your home and they're growing up and, and you don't really see that much change in them. But then grandma and grandpa who haven't seen them in six months, they come in, they're like, oh my goodness. I mean, last time I was here, he was only this tall and, and he's grown. It looks like he's doubled in size. And you're thinking, well, I knew he grew a little bit, but it doesn't, doesn't seem like that much. And, and so that same thing happens to us spiritually if we will just consistently walk with God, that spiritual growth will take place. That strengthening of our faith will take place. Faith, uh, faith comes by in hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you're consistently, consistently in the word of God, your faith is going to grow. Your strength is going to grow. It, it cannot help but be a result of just walking with God, just consistently spending time with him. Uh, and the idea of walking with God continued on to this building of friendship with God is that our walk with God is not something that just takes place in the morning. That's where it starts. That's the beginning. That's the initiation of it. Um, but the idea really is that we, throughout the day, we will walk with God, that we will take something with us from our time in the word of God Whenever you are able to commit that time, some people do it on their lunch break at work. Some people uh, uh, in the evening for years and years. I did it in the evening because uh, I'm not a morning person. That's just the way it is. And, and I just don't function that well in the morning and trying to focus and all that. But uh, wherever or whenever you can commit time, and I, I reiterated last week the importance of, of if you can, starting your day with God. And we talked about that a little bit. And I think some time in the day is better than not at all. But if you can, at least try and start your day with God. Acknowledge him as you get your day off to, to a start and then walk with him through the day. And you do that by finding a principle or a promise in the word of God. It's not just a matter of reading like I was telling on Thursday night that my mother-in-law was sitting down and reading her Bible the other night. And she was making all these notes in, in this notebook. And I joked with her about writing a sermon, and she's like, no, I'm just having my devotions, and I can't just read. She said, she said I'm a speed reader, and if I'm not on purpose pausing to write something, she says, I will read the entirety of a text in, in, in a flash, and it will be like, I'm, I don't even know really what I read. And she says, so I have to on purpose 
think and make notes and write things down. And so when you're reading the Word of God, look at it and say, okay, what's a, what's a principle that I can take from this? What's a promise that's here that I can take from this? And then think about it throughout the day. Say, oh, we, that's a promise that I can take, or that's a principle that I saw this morning, and just carry that. And you'll be surprised at how often that principle that you saw that morning comes into effect throughout your day. That it's something that you end up facing, that you end up dealing with, and it comes back to heart and mind. That's walking with God. Uh, having a spirit and a mind of prayer. We know we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're to have that spirit and that mind of prayer and be praying. And so just throughout the day, you know, acknowledging God. Lord, give me safety as I go. Uh, I, um, Brother Dave Smith, who's coming, going to be here for our Roundup Sunday, you know, but it's not uncommon. Like you jump in the car with him and you're getting ready to go to the hardware store. I mean, you've been working, you've been sawing logs, doing all this stuff, and you're like, oh, we need to go get a new sharp chain. Let's jump in the car. And, you know, he'll just, Lord, give us safety as we head to the store right now. Thank you. And just acknowledging God, just that spirit of prayer, just saying, Lord, we're looking to you. We realize we're on the roads and, and it's got all kinds of crazy drivers. And, and Lord, keep me alert. And, and we just acknowledge you as we're heading uh, give us an opportunity to be a witness for you as we're going to the store. You know, just acknowledging God throughout the day and that idea of consistently walking with him is how we get to the point we were building a friendship with him and that kind of relationship. And sadly, there's so many Christians that really uh, don't have a walk with God. Um, Tim Green told the story in The Daily Bread some years ago. But he said, uh, a friend of mine took his small son with him to town one day to run some errands. When lunchtime arrived, the two of them went to a familiar diner and sat down for a sandwich. However, the diner was quite full and the father sat down uh, on a stool next to his son and he ordered their lunch. And when the waiter brought their food, the father said, son, we're just going to have a silent prayer uh, for our prayer, for our food right now. And dad bowed his head and began to pray and finished and he looked over at his son. His son's head was just bowed, and his son sat there praying for his food for a very long time. Finally, his son looked up, and uh, Dad said, Son, what, what in the world were you praying about all that time? And with innocence and honesty, the child replied, uh, what is a silent prayer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you, uh, how do you pray silently? And, and he, he just had his head bowed. He didn't know what was taking place or whatever. Um, you know, so you don't, have to be, you don't have to pray out loud, but just silently acknowledging God and thinking about him throughout the day. Uh, you know, I wonder when an emergency comes, you almost get in an accident or whatever, is your first response a call to the Lord? Is your first response a, you know, thank you, Lord, for <laughs> saving me from that? Or, or is your first response, you know, you idiot! <laughs> you know, you almost ran me off the road! I mean, what, what is our first response? And if we're in a spirit of prayer and walking with God, our response will be one that uh, is uh, guided by God, and he says that he will keep us in perfect peace. And uh, so walking with God, it means we're aware of his presence throughout the day. And we're going to kind of continue a little bit deeper in this morning. Uh, that was just kind of a review of last week as we close up um, 
But this morning, what we're talking about specifically is building a friendship with God, taking that next step, going beyond um, just walking with Him, but starting to develop, build and develop that friendship with God. So, in James chapter 2 and verse number 23, uh, the Bible says, As the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. I mean, what an amazing and powerful statement to be acknowledged by God as his friend. Um, I mean, you think about out of all of the thousands of people that are in the scriptures, it was Abraham that God said, hey, he was my friend. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, You know, I remember sitting in the auditorium here one day when Clay got up and gave a testimony. And Clay said from the pulpit, he said, well, Pastor Caleb is probably my best friend in the world. And I didn't even know that. I didn't even realize that. I sat there thinking, wow. I mean, I knew we were friends, but I didn't know the impact that I had had. I didn't know the, the friendship that we had developed had gone that far. And to me, it was very meaningful to me that he acknowledged me as his friend, that he felt like I had behaved in such a way or done such, I mean, whatever, I was just being a friend to him. But for him, he says, man, he's probably my best friend. And I was, I was shocked by that. But I wonder, I mean, how much more meaningful it is if God said, hey, Anthony's my friend. You know, that means there's something that we've done. There's some behavior that we've had. There's some responses that we've had to God that he would look at and say, yeah, he's my friend. And to me, that's a worthwhile ambition, and, a, and ultimately, I would say it is the end goal of walking with God, is to be a friend of God. So, by way of outline here, uh, we've got a few things I want to give you. First is that Jesus offers friendship to us. So, you tell me, why do we love him? I know there's a lot of answers, and I'm looking for one, and you're like, okay, what? <laughs> I could rephrase the question, and you would know the answer immediately, but you tell me, why do we love him? Correct. If I was going to say, if I rephrased it and said, we love him because, oh, then everybody, <laughs> because he first loved us, yeah, we know that. But that's what I'm saying. He offered that friendship to us, that friendship, that, that, that desire to be friends with us. He's offered that to us. We know the Bible tells us, in Proverbs 18.24, that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is that friend to you and I. He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He has proved his never-ending love for us when he died on the cross. When he uh, sacrificed it all for you and I. He's always ready, always waiting, always there. Have you ever known a friend that you strived, or somebody that you strived to be a friend to, but they didn't reciprocate? Like, it's like they could care less that you were trying to be their friend and you're, you're kind of back, maybe hurt a little bit. That ever happened at college? You meet a lot of new people. You're trying to figure out where you're at, how you fit in, who, you know, who are these people, and you, you kind of 
just say, well, I'll try and be friends with this person. And you, you kind of go out of your way and maybe give up going to something else so that you can spend some time with them. And then it's kind of like they don't even care. Well, God has offered his friendship to us. The creator of the universe. God the Father. He has come alongside of us and said, I want to be your friend. But the ball's in our court. And sadly, many, many Christians would care less that God wants to be with them, that God wants to be their friend. You guys all have been attending church here for a long time. And I don't say it all the time, but I know that I've said it enough. It's probably familiar to you that uh, I will take time with, as a pastor, anybody that wants to take time with me. I will spend time with anybody that wants to spend time with me. Whatever that is, whatever they enjoy doing, I'm willing to do that. I will take time with somebody if they want to take time with me. I'm saying, uh, I just, a week ago in the foyer, I looked at somebody that's new to the church and I said, listen, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. I want to be that for you. You need to tell me how to do that. I'm I'm available. I'm here. I'm willing to be your friend. You just got to tell me how to do that. How can I do that? What do I need to do? What do I need to be so that I can encourage and help you in your Christian walk? And some people take me up on that, and other people, it's like they don't care. And I can deal with that, but I wonder how many times God has come alongside us and asked us and wanted to be with us, but we just would rather go do whatever is important to us and and disregard him. It's amazing when you consider that God wants to be your friend. Jesus is always offering his friendship to us. In Exodus 3.11, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. God spoke to Moses like a friend. And God wants to speak to you and I like a friend if we would do that. Jesus offers his friendship, but he also offers uh, or displays his friendship uh, by offering forgiveness. I mean, isn't that something that is very critical to develop and build a friendship is you've got to forgive one another. You ever had a friend offend you? Ever had a friend do something stupid? A friend do say something or respond incorrectly, and in your mind you think, how could they do that to me? I thought we were friends. Whether it was on purpose and they thought it was going to be funny, they may have done it on purpose and just thought, oh, this is a good joke. But it hurt a lot deeper than just a joke for you. Or maybe they did it you know, ignorantly and didn't realize the result that was going to become it. But as you look at it and say, man, how could they do that? But if you want the friendship to continue, you've got to forgive. And what's amazing, I mean, you think about it. God extending a friendship to us and how if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Every transgression... Every time we cross the line, every time we offend him, every time we we said, oh, well, I won't treat you that way anymore. I won't neglect you anymore. I won't forget about you anymore. I'm going to have a passionate personal relationship with you. And then and we discard it every time we come back to him and he forgives. That's a pretty good example for us. 
that we need to be more forgiving for our friends and really try and lay that out and, and be sure that we are behaving that way. Um, have you ever had a friend who would not forgive you? Something you did, maybe ignorantly, maybe on purpose, or you look at it and say, it wasn't that big a deal. Well, I don't know why you're so mad. I mean, come on. But they just wouldn't forgive you? And you're like, why? Why can't you get past this? Why can't you let that go? And you're there just saying, boy, I'm sorry. You know, I certainly didn't do it on purpose. I certainly would, would love to take it back if I could. Uh, you know, but you ever had anybody not forgive you for something? Anybody in here think of, think of something? We won't have you tell what it was. <laughs> uh, although I'm trying to think about how to get you involved in Sunday school here um, to get your, your response. But that happens sometimes. They just hold on to that anger and the bitterness. God's never going to do that to you and I. The Bible says that a friend loveth at what? All times. At all times. A friend loveth at all times. And man, what a true picture of friendship God is to us. And what a challenge for us as believers to think about that as we extend that friendship to others. A friend loveth at all times. What a comfort it is to know that God loves us unconditionally. And if we're going to be like Christ, we need to love others the same way. Proverbs 27.10 says, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Are you glad this morning that Christ isn't going to forsake you? That his love is always there? That he wants to be a friend with you and in every situation. That he loves you at all times. Listen, don't let Satan, the accuser of the brethren, tell you that God is not ready and willing to forgive. That God is not there. Listen to this verse. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A whisperer separateth chief friends. And, and you guys have all experienced that. Where a whisperer, somebody who comes in and talks to Brad and says, Man, did you see Jake this morning? And, and you know, I don't know, but he, he, said, he said this. I don't think he meant anything by it, but, you know, he said it. And I, I think it was about you, but I don't think he was trying to be mean. You know, and then... Brad's like, what? Well, why would Jake say that about me? And then, and then later they're, they're talking to Jake and they're like, no, I was talking to Brad and for some reason he's mad at you. I don't know. I don't know why, but I think he's mad. And, and Jake's like, what? why would Brad be mad at me? What did I ever do to Brad? And, and this whisperer, you know, you, you wonder how can their mind even be so conniving to try and... I mean, you're like, are they doing this on purpose? Are they, are they trying to? And I don't know if it's just Satan. Ultimately, we know that Satan's the enemy, right? It's not the individual. And so maybe Satan's just using him. But whisperers can divide chief friends. And here's what I want to say is that Satan is the whisperer 
between you and God. He will come in and whisper into your ear things that aren't true about your Heavenly Father. He will come and whisper into your ear uh, and say, listen, you've messed up one too many times. The Father's not going to forgive you anymore. You can't, you can't be victorious as a Christian, so why should you even try? You failed so many times, it's not even worth it. You might as well just throw in the towel. He'll come in and whisper into your ear, and his goal is to divide chief friends. You and your Heavenly Father that have the ability to be chiefest of friends, and Satan wants to destroy that. We also see the example of friendship in Christ as he offers faithfulness. Faithfulness. Proverbs 27.6 tells us, does anybody know that off the top of your head? I was going to give it to you, but you can look it up. You guys know the verse, I know that, but... You're like me, and the biggest problem is knowing the address. Somebody asks me a verse, and they'll say, where's the address to that? Or they'll give me the address and say, what's that verse? And both are hard to come up with. But Proverbs 27, verse number 6. We're talking about friendship and uh, building a friend with God. So somebody want to read that verse for us? Brad? Yeah, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We don't like those wounds sometimes, but the Bible tells us very clearly that faithful are the wounds of a friend. A faithful friend is going to be willing to come and be honest with you, to strive and try and help you. And we're talking about this example that Christ is to us and the fact that he is going to be honest with us. He's going to be faithful to you as a friend and with regards to coming to you and maybe even have to wound you. How many of you understand flattery is not friendship? Oh, we enjoy flattery. (laughs) We we like it. One thing I have to always in my mind try and balance is uh, praise and criticism. Because in the position that I'm in as pastor, I do get some praise. We get people who God used the word of God and challenged them and changed them. And, and, and they come to me and they say, man, I, I'm so thankful for that message. And it made such an impact on my life. But you see, what I have to do is be careful that I don't let that praise go to my head and realize that it's God's word and it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. And I shouldn't be thinking too much of myself. But then on the other side, I have people over here that come and criticize and complain and get upset at me for who knows what. But at the same time, I have to balance that as well and realize that, listen, I'm, I'm not a complete and utter failure. I have done one or two things right. I, I can continue to serve God. You know, the whisperer, Satan, he'll come and say, look, at you can't do anything right. I mean, you can't even make this godly, God-fearing Christian happy, what, you might as well just quit. So I have to balance those two sides because they're both there. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. They're going to come and tell you the truth. It's not, it's not just flattery. Flattery is not friendship. You need somebody who's going to be honest with you. You know, I'm thankful when my wife and I are sitting down together And she leans over and she goes, uh, here you go. Oh, (laughs) I need that, huh? Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate it. I don't want to be offensive to other people. 
I'm glad that she loves me enough to be honest with me and tell me, listen, you could use a mint. Just letting you know, okay? <laughs> you could use a, you, you, this would be good if you did this, you know? I want somebody that's going to be honest with me. She's not trying to hurt me. She's trying to help me. And I understand that because I know who she is and I know that she loves me. Well, we know that Christ, when he comes to us, that he's trying to help us. Just like a parent will slap the hand of a child to keep him from burning himself on a stove. You say, man, why would you hurt him? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Because you understand that that small little sting is just fractional compared to the pain that he's going to feel if he puts his hand on that. And so you want him to respond to that so that he won't touch that and really hurt himself. And the, the wounds of a friend, although they hurt, ultimately they keep you from destroying yourself, from creating great hardship in your life. And Christ is always going to be faithful to you and I. He's always going to tell us the truth. He knows that left to ourselves, we're going to make a mess of things. And so that's why he tries to guide us. So that's from our father's standpoint, building a friendship with God. We see that example from him and how he extends it to us. Then we want to look and see what we should do. So turn to Proverbs chapter 18, 24. Proverbs 18, 24. Anthony, you want to read that for us? Proverbs 18, 24. A man that has friends, the beginning of that, must show himself friendly. We know that God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is going to be there. You know, the amazing thing about Abraham is it says that he was a friend of God. Not just that he was God's friend. We know that God was a friend to Abraham, just like he's a friend to us. God is there. He's a friend that sits closer than a brother. God is that friend. But he was a friend to God. Abraham was a friend to God. So are we being a friend to God? You see, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. You have to desire or want to be friendly. You have to look and try and do that. Um, some years ago, I... I told you this story that I read about a, a land surveyor. And this land surveyor uh, ha often had to make his way onto people's property and find the borders and the edges of property and, and dealt with many confrontations with people because of doing that and, you know, being on people's property uninvited and, and all of those challenges. And uh, one day he was out kind of in a rural area and he made his way up this long driveway and there was a big sign uh, on the driveway there that uh, said, let me get it correctly here. He, the sign said, no trespassing, beware of dog, keep out, this means you. And he's like, well, I've I got to go. And so he's making his way through the property and heading up towards the house and 
you know, he's concerned about this dog getting loose, and he thought, well, I'm just going to touch base with the owner and make sure he knows why I'm here and that I have to catch this survey and get this done. And they sat down, and they talked for a while. And, I mean, when he knocked on the door, the man came to the door. was really cordial and friendly and nice, and he was shocked. You know, he's like, wow. And uh, then uh, they talked for 15, 20 minutes, and the man says, well, i got to go get this surveying done. And, and he's leaving to go do the survey, and the guy on the porch says, hey, hey, come back sometime, man. I, I don't get many visitors up here. Well, why do you think that is? <laughs> I mean, why do you suppose you don't get many visitors? Uh, it's because you're not showing yourself friendly. That sign down there basically is saying, keep out. And sometimes people will come into the Lord's house and uh, they will come in and sit down. I see it from up here. They'll be sitting there like this. I mean, they are pretty much just saying, I dare you to be nice to me. Just try it. Just see. See what you get if you even say hi to me. I mean, they have that look on their face and they are just so... Like, just come up. And they wonder why people don't want to talk to them. They wonder why, well, how come more people, and I make a point to go up to those people and shake their hand and say good morning. But, you know, a man that wants friends has got to show himself friendly. You have to not, not just be approachable. How about you get up and go greet somebody else? You know, I, I, more than once I've had somebody get mad at me because they said, you didn't come and shake my hand. And I have to say, well, I was standing in the foyer for 45 minutes after church. Did you come and shake my hand? So should I be mad at you? Maybe I should be offended that I was there the whole time and you never came and talked to me. You avoided me. I think you avoided me. You just didn't want to see me. It doesn't make sense. But people, they, they, they put themselves in a little shell and then say, there's nobody here, nobody loves me. No, if we want friends, we've got to be friendly. We've got to go out. And, and they're like, well, it doesn't mean as much if I had to do that. You're just shooting yourself. You're just shooting yourself. We've got to be friendly. That's a biblical principle. It seems so simple, but many fail to do it. Every relationship, we talked about this last week. Let's see how good, your member, how good your memory is. Every relationship is built through what? Trust is needed, yes, but what is, how, is, how do you build your relationship? Communication, through communication. So we're talking about being a friend to God. How are you doing on your communication? His word talks to us, and through prayer, we talk to him. You want to build that relationship with him. You want to become a friend to him. You've got to build that through communication. Let me ask you, who is it in your life that has the greatest influence right now? Who has the greatest influence in your life right now? If I, if I said, I want you to think about it. I want you to give me an answer. Who would you say has the greatest amount of influence in your life? Wow, <laughs> that's... Puts me uh, on on the spot for sure. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you this. this maybe you haven't haven't thought about it, but the person that has the greatest amount of influence in your life is the person that you spend the most time with. 
You might not have considered that. You might not even think that, well, that's not the person I would go to to ask advice. That's not the person that I would ask, what would you do with this? But the fact of the matter is, is they are influencing you. Because of how much time you're spending together. You cannot help but speak the things which thou hast seen and heard, according to the book of Acts. You are going to begin to talk like the person you spend the most time with. You're going to begin to act like the person you spend the most time with. It's just human nature. It's what happens. And the person that has the greatest amount of influence in your life is the person you spend the most time with. So the question is, how much time are we spending with God? We want God to have a large influence in our life, right? And ultimately, we would all say, well, of course, I'm going to do what God wants. I want to try and please God, and and I'm going to ask him what his will is, and I'm going to do that. But when we put it down to brass tacks, the person that has the greatest amount of influence in our life is the person we spend the most time with. And sadly, for a lot of Christians, that's the television. I mean, if you quite literally, you know how your phone and, and devices have screen time trackers on there? Maybe it's YouTube that has the most influence in your life. That's shaping your thinking. Like it or not, it is shaping your thinking. It is influencing you. So, man, if we want to be a friend to God, we've got to be friendly. We've got to spend time with him. So we should also offer fidelity. John fifteen fourteen says, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. God is our friend first. He showed his love to us. We, we've talked about all these things with regards to his friendship towards us. We know that. And then God says, if you want to be my friend, you're going to do what I've commanded you. And so we looked at that and say, well, it's amazing that Abraham was considered a friend of God. Man, that's awesome. Well, why was he a friend of God? Well, because he did what God asked him to do. Because he obeyed God. That's why he did it. In Genesis 12, verses 1 and, 1 and 4, 1 through 4, he says, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from the kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation. Jumping down to verse number 4, he says, So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken unto him. You see, God said, Get up and go. And Abraham said, Okay, I'm ready. And he got up and went. That's why he was a friend of God. Because he did what God wanted him to do. Because God said, here's what I want you to do. And he did it. Not that hard. So we look and say, man, I want to be a friend of God. Then that means we're going to do what God wants us to do. We're going to follow his commandments. We're going to obey his word. This world today likes to look at and think about the idea that we are under grace and we can have the privilege to to do whatever we want to do, right? That we are free. And we are under grace and God is not going to make you do something. But you can't live your life under grace and disregard everything God wants to do, wants you to do. And at the same time, say, I'm a friend of God. That's just the facts. You are his child. You, can't, you won't lose that position. 
but you won't be called a friend because a friend does what the Lord asks. He says that in the text we read there, John 15, 14 says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. What amazing truth. And then lastly, I want you to see that you should offer fellowship. We know that God offers that fellowship to us. He's there. He wants to be a friend to us. He's close to us. He's a friend that's closer than a brother. But we should offer fellowship to him. James 4.4 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever there would be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Without question, the biggest hindrance to a Christian's fellowship with God is that we follow the world instead of the word. That's the biggest hindrance. The biggest hindrance to just being that friend of God is that we follow the world instead of the, the word. 1 John two fifteen and 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, we could talk about worldliness. And as Christians, we shouldn't want to be worldly. But what is worldliness? And I don't have time to try and even nail this down for you because there's a lot of debate about what equals and quantifies worldliness. Really, for most Christians, worldliness is anything that is a little left of where they are. And fanaticism is anything that's a little right of where they are. Regardless of where they are, that's how they would establish worldliness. That's how they would establish fanaticism, is where they are. I mean, they could be a a dope-smoking, beer-drinking, carousing, calling themselves Christian over here, and they would say, anybody that's worldly is worldly because they go gambling. But anything they're doing is, is okay. I don't know, have you guys ever heard of Hook and Loop Baptist? There's the Hook and Loop Baptist. I know I need to get done. Uh, but the Hook and Loop Baptists believe it's worldly for you to have buttons on your clothes. From many, many years ago, it was a new thing. New clothes were getting buttons instead of the old-time Hook and Loop fasteners. And they said, well, it's worldly to have Hook and Loop. I mean, it's worldly to have buttons. And so still today, there's groups that believe it's worldly for you to have buttons on your clothes. And you say, well, what is that? And what I'm saying is that the established principle of what's right shouldn't come from our preferences or what we think, but we need to come from the Word of God. And the goal is not that we would get to do what we want to do. The goal is that we would be a friend to God. And that means we're not going to be a friend to the world. So where do we draw that line? Well, if we're going to err, we ought to err on the side of being a friend to God. And uh, this is a very important point that I don't have any more time to uh, develop or conclude. But uh, I want you to know that the friendship with God is available to all of us. And uh, he wants to be our friend and he wants to extend that to you. It's up to us if we're going to be a friend to God or not. We have to develop that.